0: Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem's show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's share. Um, first I want to start off saying tonight is our 51st year that we're doing here. Uh, we usually do Sunday night shirin, but this is a special series with Rabbi YY. This is part three of three, um, and it's going to be an unbelievable share tonight. There's so much to talk about, and I want to just really jump and get started right away. Again, I wanted to say this platform is really growing. We want to thank all the viewers, people that are involved, uh, tremendous amount of WhatsApps, emails, texts. It's, it's like all over the place. Um, this week alone, I've gotten contacts from Brazil, from UK, from China. we gotten it from Asia. And uh, I got a call from Australia, so we're really uh, I used to call it the Lakewood-based program, but now it's really the worldwide program. And Baruch Hashem, tremendous feedback. We really want to help everybody, and um, in every tons of topics, and we're trying to cover them. For all those who are watching the replay of this video on YouTube, please click on the like button for the video, and also please click on the subscribe button for Coach Menachem, so you could you know get every new video that comes out. I want to first start off uh, giving a special thank you to Mrs. Shasha Friedman from California. She's actually a girls' dating coach who helped me today a little bit with the questions. I want to thank her again. At the end of the share, Menachem was going to send out a recap email with her contact information if anybody feels that would be useful to have a dating coach, could be very helpful. I want to start off again also thanking all of our advertising sponsors who promote us all over the digital world. First, we'll start off to Lakewood Scoop, who always promotes us from our our home base in Lakewood, New Jersey. Special thank you to Rabbi Yannir from Hazak. Um, Thank you always for promoting us. Special thank you to Mrs. Mika Sofer from CLL Live for putting us on the website. A special thank to Chayla Kaplan from JCN for always promoting us across, across all the digital platforms. Um, again, for anybody who's the first time here, uh, we have a share every Sunday night at 10 o'clock. And um, it's the same it's Zoom ID. You know, we, we speak about different topics. And please spread we're saying the
2: word. about how with swimming, you were telling me that you're not sure. One second. I is
1: OK. And, Okay, again, next Sunday on um, 425, this upcoming Sunday, we're going to have no one, of these, one of the big yeah. ones, Tom Kamenetsky, He's going to be coming on this year. Know, we're going to be we right. yeah, yeah, got to
3: mute. we got to mute everybody. You want
1: to watch it? I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on one second. It's just so many people, sometimes it gets a little bit uh, blocked up.
0: Usher, now we can hear you.
1: Now I'm good. Again, so this upcoming Sunday, 425, we're going to have Roshon Tom one of the Rashivists of Philadelphia, we're discussing how to bring our marriages to the next level. So I'm going to share with everybody here tonight who's hosting to dating. If anybody who knows people are married, it's going to be a tremendous year. Please come and join us at 10 o'clock. Again, the Coach Manakum Show is collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health support in the Jewish community. Their online platform, you can find the best therapists, coaches, nutritionists, engage in forums, and stay inspired. Links will be found. At the email at the end of the show, Menachem, will send it out. Again, tonight we have the schus and the honor of having Rabbi Jacobson. Thank you so much for agreeing to coming on. This whole share started because um, Rabbi Wayway said this, you know the topic of dating was a big topic. This is actually part three. The other parts are recorded. They're on the Rabbi YY's uh, YouTube channel on his website, on Coach Menachem's website. The first part was for the parents, the dating point of view, how to deal with the children. The second part was for the Bachrim. And tonight, part three of three is for the girls and for the women to deal with that. So let's start first with the opening statement from Coach
0: Menachem, and then uh, I'll take it back. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to see everybody on a Thursday night. Even though we're, we're, still, um, we're still on a high from Sunday, Baruch Hashem, the positive feedback that's coming in um, from what we had from two weeks ago, from last week, and everybody, we, we really appreciate whatever feedback it is. And tonight, HaShem, we're up to part three of the three-part series for the girls. And I see there's a lot of, uh, there are some men that came on tonight that maybe are going to pick up some uh, good, uh, some more information so they could help out to understand the perspective of the girls, and which is very important. You always have to put yourself in the other side's shoe to understand what they, what they want and Tonight we're going to hear a lot. What, what do I want? What do they want? So, so we can figure things out. But I just want to mention the, the feedback that we got about this program. Um, that people can send their questions and many times they don't have where to ask their questions and over here you could send it in anonymously and it gets discussed like a lot of topics we put on the table um, and not everybody knows where to go and who to ask, which is which is good, Baruch Hashem. And like tonight, very, very interesting questions from all different ages, perspectives from all sides. I don't know if we'll be able to cover everything because there's a lot of questions and obviously live goes first. But uh, the basic questions, you know, from how do I know what I want? How do I know what he wants? And how do I know if I'm getting what I want? And And then on... How do I know what love means? What is falling in love? Shall I look for it? And then it goes to, in seminary, they teach me to, to be happy with uh, what I have and not to look for anything, you know, not for too much money. And then we start Shidduchim. What does he want? <laughs> A few years. Geld. <laughs> so what do we do? So Rabbi Jacobson, we have, we have this host to have you tonight to Thank you. put the things on the table and hopefully people will be able to get insights and the, the most important thing is once the discussion is started we, they can continue it with their mashpi and and with the dating coaches wherever it is so at least you know oh. the topic Amen, beautiful Amen. opening again let's start tonight's show was sponsored by
1: Klein's ice cream i replied a big big fan of rabbi wava jacobson on the platform and um, as we always say, we love Klein's ice cream, right? Bottom line, Robert Huawei, the best ice cream, Klein's ice cream. The best, the best. That's why I'm so slim. <laughs> all right. We do the uh, the skinny cow version. Okay. Then let's let's just put out some 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 things I described. We had a conversation there with Robert Huawei. tonight. We're going to be discussing many topics in the dating forum. Um, it's again, we're talking from the woman's point of view, the young woman that's dating. All the questions that come up, we're trying to cover ground. This is meant to be interactive. People could ask. So let's you know. Let's listen to that. We got a tremendous amount of questions a little bit in a different category from divorces, remarriage, where things are much more complicated and it's much more, there's, there's much more levels to understand in that level. So I discussed that with Rabbi YY how to deal with that. So he, he agreed to come on on May 23rd on that Sunday night. And the topic is going to be life after divorce, the whole partial divorce and the remarriage and the blending. So a lot of the questions that came in there, we actually saved it and we're going to get to that. And that's going to be a very big share so let's, let's try to focus tonight just on, you know, young woman dating, even if somebody's remarried, we could talk, you know, the dating, but just focusing on the dating, not all the complications that, that get into that. It's such a detailed, sensitive topics so that we want to really give it the time that's needed. So I wanted to just clear that before we even get started. And um, also I just want to say a lot of people texting because I said countries. I got texts from Argentina, Mexico, you're worldwide now, I'm just letting you know. So let's start off with the opening of Please open it up.
4: Thank you so, so much. Thank you, my dear friends of Usher, Parnas. Thank you, my dear friend, Coach Menachem. And I really thank the hundreds and hundreds of people who are with us. I see we have I, in Hurricane, Yerbu, so many people. Baruch Hashem. Our dear friends from the whole world. I want to welcome all of the young women who are here with us this evening, whoever else is here with us this evening. And I think, um, Usher, this is my fifth time on your show, right? You really don't like what I'm saying? I was muted. <laughs> okay, just give me a thumbs up. You could see in here.
1: Yeah, but well, why? Fifth time. I'm not counting because we have so many more to go. But yeah.
4: Uh... Wow. So I am. I am. It's really, really always a thrilling privilege to be here with you guys, and to be here with so many special souls from Lakewood and Misham Ayre Yitzes L'chalayim from really, literally the whole world. Every every evening we have together is always a a meaningful, inspiring, transformative, and really thrilling experience, the interactivity, the questions, the dialogue, the people who come on live, uh, the vulnerability, the honesty, the integrity, the the eagerness and longing to grow and and work on ourselves and create more amazing and beautiful and, and meaningful lives and marriages. So. Tonight, obviously, after our two sessions where we had a folk one, one on dating for focusing on parents' role, and then we spoke about young men in our last session. Today, fi- this was before Pesach. Today, finally, we deal with the Akeris Abayis, the future foundations of our homes, Ishtai, the young women. So, just as a, an intro to our conversation, let me remind you. A few things that, you know, may be obvious, but it's always good to remind ourselves. And that is, what's the first thing that the Torah describes as not being good? What's not good? The Torah speaks a lot of, about a lot of things that are not good and that are good. But what's the first thing? Throughout the whole creation, it says Hashem saw everything and it was good. Toiv, and then toiv ma'ayd. But then there comes the first loy and the first thing that Tanya says is is Adam It's not good for the Adam to be alone. And what's going to rescue Adam from being Levadei, from being alone? His spouse. I'm going to create a help for Adam against him. And the Netziv says the Netziv of Alorshen, Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the great Rosh Hashiva and Rav of Alorshen. He says, are you, is she a help or is she against him? Is she an A-Z or is she a Kinegde? Rashi also asks the question. It's a big question of the Chazal. And his answer that the Nitziv gives is that sometimes we become the greatest help to other people when we are Kinegde, when we are against them, not in the sense of fighting, but in the sense of expanding their horizons, of allowing them to learn about another life, another person, another perspective. Because the purpose of marriage is not to obliterate the individuality of the people. It's Azer kinegde. I am helped most, you are most helped through a relationship with otherness, through somebody who is not me, somebody who every day I create space for this person, every moment, every hour. And together we learn to love each other and to grow together. I once saw a t-shirt, I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. But that's not the Jewish definition of marriage. It's to take us out of levada, of that space of aloneness. The real challenge is sometimes people feel they get married and they're even more alone. A woman once said, before I was married, I was incomplete. Now I'm married and I'm finished. So the big question is, what should be our mindset during dating? How do I know if he's the right one, he's the wrong one? What are the red flags? How do I know if I'm ready, if I'm not ready? What is love? These are fundamental questions, and I want you to feel free to bring up whatever you would like if you want to come on live, that's great, or chat, or whatever. But I would just like to say at the onset, a few questions that are worthwhile for you to be able to answer, after a significant time of dating, before you decide to get engaged and get married. Here are 11 questions that I would like you to reflect about. If you need to take notes, take notes. If not, you could re-watch it, and if you have a good memory, you'll remember it. Most of these questions my sister-in-law sent me. She read a wonderful book, she told me, by Shana Levitan from Israel titled, I Only Want to Get Married Once. So most of the questions come from there. I added also. Question number one, young women should ask, and I guess young men should also ask, do we share the same basic goals and values or not? It's not judgment or not, not about judging you or him or her, but do you share basic goals and values? And I don't mean every detail, every nuance, but basic. Number two. Are you relating to the person you're dating, or you created an image of them, and you're relating to the image, not to the real person? We sometimes imagine a person who we would like them to be, but it's not who they are. It's like a statue in our mind, and that's what we relate to. But you're actually relating to the real person. Number three, can you admit that he has flaws? And can you identify what they are? Are you also honest about your own flaws and your own shortcomings and your own challenges? Next question. Does your relationship have healthy boundaries? Are you obsessed with each other? Are you choking each other? Do you have boundaries? Not just physical boundaries, also very important, of course. Emotional boundaries. There is you and there is he. Next question. What do people who are close to you think about him? What is their opinion about him? Next question. Do you respect him? Is there mutual respect? Does he respect you? Next question. Can you be open and honest with him? Do you trust him? Another question. How is your communication? How well do you get along? Another one. Does this person bring out the best in you? Does your life become more meaningful, more inspired, more empowered, more invigorated, more geschmack, more fun, more excited in his presence? Next question, is he flexible? Does he know how to compromise? How big or small is his ego? Does he like himself or does he hate himself? Is he kind? Is he a mensch? Important. Last question. If he never changes, never, do you still want to get married to him? Now, I'm not telling you what your your answers to these questions should be, but these are some questions that you should consider, because I think they can give us at least a general perspective about a lot of things that really matter in life. Thank you for listening.
1: for that opening um let me just tell everybody what's going on we're getting a zillion questions like literally a zillion so for anybody who wants to ask live please that they can go first we have a bunch of live wedding waiting and we have a wedding we have a bunch of live waiting and um good
4: good freudian slip
1: good
3: 40.
1: so let's start first with the poll question i just want to get just get a feeling from the crowd we made a poll just to get everybody a little bit interactive everybody can answer it's anonymous and then from there we'll get to some of the questions that that are strong okay somebody typed up everything you said and we just put it on the chat so everybody can have thank all those you. tips written up so thank you whoever did that they're obviously a fast typer okay so let's put out the poll questions first okay you ready for the singles to answer it's only for singles if you're married don't answer this question what age group are you in are you 18 to 24 22 through 26 27 through 34 or 35 plus so please answer that question the second question is what is the hardest part of the dating process for you specifically not enough guidance through the process a hard time getting honest good information the uncomfortability of the dates or simply just having not find the right one yet so please answer those two questions so we can get a feeling from what's going on and then we'll take it from there again anybody wants to ask a lot of questions we're getting tons of texts i literally i probably have like two three hundred texts over here. So it's impossible to even read them, because by the time I read one, another one comes in. But whoever wants to ask live, let's go. And we'll start with, uh, we'll start with one first, Rabbi Waiwai. I think it's a very powerful one. And then we'll let the, the, the Oidon ask. OK? So let's share the results with everybody. Here we go. OK. So over here, 41% of the people, at Rabbi YY are 18 to 21. So these are a lot of young people. I'm assuming a lot of first-timers. From the ages of 22 to 26, 30%. 27 to 34, 18%. And 35 plus is 12%. So you see the crowd we're dealing with. Number number two, what is the hardest part of the dating process for you? 18% of the people find, said not enough guidance through the process. 30% are having a hard time getting good, honest information. 11% the uncomfortability of dates. And the number one answer, 58%, simply having not found the right person yet. <laughs> it connects off the screen. Okay, so let's start with the first question, okay? And this is, again, we, we got a lot of emails. We just put them together because they're all basically saying similar things. So let's start with this question. I'm 34 years old, am I supposed to believe that I will get married still, or I just hope and daven that I will without being assured of the outcome? What happened to all those older people I never that never got married? Is it possible that someone's tachlis doesn't include being married? Isn't it a human need and desire to be married? So how can you live being denied such a need if that's the tachlis abrion? Rabbi Waiwai.
4: Wow. Hmm. This is what you call... Uh... Right into the thicket of things. So, first of all, I want to thank you for being with us and for sharing candidly with us. And truth be told, I don't think from our experience in history, from everything we know about life, and our sages teach us, do not give up hope. How every person's journey plays itself out, I don't know, and we certainly don't understand the reasons. You can have a younger sister, her first date, she was 20 years old, and she found the right person. You know, sometimes we can rationalize it this way and that way, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the journeys of people's lives are so mysterious and inexplicable, and we all have to be humble and reverent in the presence of ourselves, in the presence of others who go through these journeys. We don't know always the purpose of one's life, how it plays itself out, what God's calculations are, why people have to go through things, why is it so difficult for some people to find their soulmate, and so many other questions that you and I have in life. But what I do say is, the best attitude in life is always Never to despair and to feel that we're victims of our circumstances. Always try to be proactive. Never lose hope and surrender to despair. And we all know people, I have just, I just celebrated the simcha, somebody I know very well. He told me clearly there were times he never thought he'll be able to get married. He's an older person. His bride, his wife told me the same thing. This is a little while ago. She never thought. They dated so many people, both very interesting people, and they just didn't meet the right person. But you know what? The miracle happened. The Gemara says, marriages are like splitting of the sea. What, why do they say that? The point is that any marriage, even the simplest marriage that happens in such a smooth fashion, is also a miracle. For two souls to come together from seven billion people, for two souls to come together and be able to create an amazing marriage, it's a mess. God could split a big sea; He could split a small C. So I would not surrender to despair. So you say, why did it take so many years? How is it going to play out? Why is it happening this way? I really don't have the answer. Our job is to be here for each other, to be empathetic, not to be judgmental. But what I say to you is, don't look at your life. Hats for Shalom as a wasted life, as a wasted journey, yes, there are setbacks, there are failures, sometimes there are very profound disappointments, and we have to open ourselves up every moment. What is it that Hashem wants from me today? Certainly our minds and hearts should always be open to a positive attitude, to a liberating attitude, because you know why? When a person has a positive attitude, it attracts goodness. The famous expression of the Tzermach Tzedek, traht gut, The Zohar says it already. Our thoughts about reality affect our reality. It affects how people feel about us. It affects our relationship to the world. Sometimes it's hard. We wake up in the morning and it's like another day. And we have to work on ourselves. We have to challenge our thought processes. But to go into a place of despair, is something that we should not do to ourselves, even if we're triggered, and even if we have those moments, but it's not the place you and I ever wanna live in, despite the fact that life is filled with disappointments and frustrations.
1: Great answer by the way, powerful. Okay, let's go, we have so many live questions. Let's start with one already. Okay, you're on.
3: Hi, uh, good evening.
2: My question is, do you have any advice for someone who doesn't fit into a box, not by their background, not my job, um, but who only keeps getting suggestions for people from a very narrow box?
4: (laughs) Great question. I love it. I love it. Usher, you love people who are out of the box, no? Yeah. You know, I want to tell you, Mindy, somebody once told me, Rabbi why? I will never, ever, ever go into the box. The only time I'll go into a box is at my funeral. So I told them, I wish you that even then you shouldn't go into a box. You should defy all the conventions. The point is, I'm saying this in a little humor and jest, but I get it, and I think it's important for you express to the people who you trust and people who love you and care about you that you really need a person who you can share a life with and that means a person who on some level can appreciate your soul your heart your humor your psyche i think it's important for you maybe to communicate to the people who are helping you who are assisting you you know what you're searching for is there open communication between you and them do they understand you a little bit if they completely don't understand you, then we have another problem. But if there are people around you, confidants, you know, whether it's parents, uncles, aunts, siblings, good friends, rabbis, rebbitsons who are helping you, you should really communicate to them, you know, what is it, you know, what style, what type of person you're searching for, and, and let's open up the opportunities. Let's go out of the box in realizing that there are a lot of types of people in this world. As you know, God, Hashem blessed the Jewish people with so much diversity. There's so many different types of people. And uh, I'm sure it is one extraordinary uh, out-of-the-box person for you. But I think it's very important for you to communicate this and, and get assistance of people who can offer names, who can introduce you, who could bring things to the table, etc. I just have
0: a question. They say opposite attracts. Is it something that would come up over here also that she would meet somebody? In Maybe, the box? perhaps, you know,
4: out of the box is also a little bit of an ambiguous term. What does out of the box exactly mean? Of course, if we have a definition for it, it's not out of the box anymore, but you probably mean so you, you weren't specific, Mindy, So I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, doing some speculation, which is really not fair, but the point is as follows. To really be out of the box also means not to reject sometimes something yeah, that may look like it's in the box, but really it's not so much so much in the box. In other words, being out of the box also means that I'm out of the box from needing to always be out of the box.
0: Okay.
1: Amazing. Let's go to the next live one. Let's see if she's on. Let's wait one sec. Hi, you're on.
2: Um, hi, my question is how to deal with close friends getting married and having children and feeling stuck in Shidofen, like while well, feeling stuck in Shidofen. Thank
4: you. Yeah. That's a very, very important question. Friends are getting married, walking around with carriages, right? Always talking about the new type of carriage when you go out for coffee and uh, you're, you feel stuck. It is so, so important. These two words, self-acceptance, it's so important for you to be able to understand. And it's true for each of us in our own lives. And that is, we want relationships, we want friends. It's important to have friends. You know, social life is, is critical. I said before, lo tovah yosadam But it's important for you to be true to yourself and to really be comfortable in your own skin. And that means also to have a certain element of acceptance where you are in life. I could look at somebody else, learn from them. Sometimes I'll be triggered with jealousy, but I don't want to live in that space because I can't live somebody else's life. What do they say? God created us all as originals, but many of us die as copies. Don't live somebody else's life because that person's life was taken. I want to learn from people. I want to be inspired from people. Sometimes I get jealous from people, but it's not the space where we want to live. The mental space where you want to live is remembering what the Mishnah says in Sanhedrin 38, Adam okay. Person is obligated to say the world was created for me. Now, at the surface, it sounds like an arrogant statement. The world was created for me. So I say the world was created for me. Usher thinks the world was created for him. Coach Menachem thinks the world was created for him. And my mother-in-law thinks the world was created for her. And everybody thinks, so, I mean, what type of world is this, be? is this gonna be? But the truth is, it's saying something very powerful and very humbling. And that is, there's something about my life that is unique. There's something about your life that is unique, that the whole world was created for that unique contribution that you give to reality that nobody before you and nobody after you will ever be able to give. And everything is at stake because of your indispensable role that Hashem put you here in this world for. And when I can understand this, then I can really make room for where I am in life, with compassion, with rachamim. I want to challenge myself, but you have to have compassion for where you are. And those boundaries are important. If you have, sometimes people have friends, maybe inadvertently, you know, I know a know a, a woman suffering from infertility. And she told me that her friends ask her out for lunch. And every time she went, all they talk about is the children and the babies and the carriages and the new babies, but she can't have children. So it's hard for me to understand, what are the friends thinking? I mean, they know about the situation, and I'm sure they don't mean bad. They just, they get into the conversation. And I told her that you could respect them, but you have to have boundaries. If you're coming home every time when you go out with them and you're crying for two hours, either you're close enough to them to explain this to them, and if you're not close enough to them to explain this to them, you have to have certain boundaries. I think it's important for each of us in our own stages of life to be able to remember how valuable relationships are, but also to remember that we have to protect our boundaries, our integrity, and really become comfortable where we are in the world. Okay, well, we have
1: some more live, but I wanna cover some questions over here. Um, I'll do this question. I see it's actually from a younger person, okay. I see, I see people that get married and become less happy people. One of my friends used to be very happy, and then she got married to a very judgmental man. Now she's constantly comparing herself to others and has a sad look on her face. Did she make a mistake Who with who she married? How can I know the person I will marry will not bring out the negativity in me like it did to my friend? I've been dating now for a while. I've had a hard time connecting on a deeper level with the boys that I have dated. They seem to be very logical on the surface but missing the emotional part what do i do if i feel i cannot connect with them so great blah, blah, blah.
4: question great great question and the answer is like this it's very hard to judge another person without having an open and intimate conversation with them so i can't really make a comment about your friend's marriage whom i don't know and you may not know some factors just number one if you're really close and you have an open conversation with her. That may be helpful to her. Maybe she'll appreciate it for your sake and also for her sake. But in terms of yourself, your question is about yourself. So the truth be told is as follows. We cannot get to know somebody through dating. Even if you date somebody for a month, two months, three months, even if you date somebody for six months. You know, in the secular world, people date for years. And then they get divorced. In some places, there's 50% divorce rate. But they dated for six years. I don't understand. The answer is that dating and marriage are two completely different worlds. Completely. But even if we date for a long time, we know a lot about each other. Ultimately, living with somebody as a married couple is a new reality. And life changes us. You know, there is changes in the body and changes in life. And there is family that grows and there's challenges that come up and there's loss and there's illness and there's psychological changes. There's so many things that happen that really it's impossible to predict all of this during dating. But during dating, you want to be able to know certain things that will be very, very helpful. That's why I did this list of questions, because you want to know at least that you're going into a marriage with somebody with whom you'll be able to have a disagreement. Somebody who will hold your hand through thick and thin. Somebody who may not be perfect, but they'll be accountable. These things you could know during the date. I may not know everything about the guy during the dates, but I could know enough that he is the guy I want to experiment with. He is the guy I want to go on the journey with. Marriage is a hike. And trust me, it's a long hike, Be'ezir Hashem, and it's a winding hike, and it's an interesting hike. But you know what? You want to make sure that he's the guy you want to go on the hike with. He, He is the guy you want to go for a journey of exploration and adventure and discovery. He's the guy you want to be with on the roller coaster. Hopefully the roller coaster is always going up higher and higher and higher. That's what you want to know. And that's why it's important don't ignore things during the date. Sometimes people minimize things. If it's bothering you, talk about it. Bring it up. It's important to have people you trust with whom you could bring up things. Because there's red flags. Yes, you could know enough to make sure, at least in most situations, of course, there are exceptions, that the person will bring out the best in you. The person was not a judgmental person that the person is a flexible person, that the person will help you celebrate life rather than the other way, so these are things we have to be conscientious of, and we often need the assistance of confidants, friends, therapists, parents, other people we trust, to help us through, to help us navigate this process. Don't rely only on yourself. You have to rely on yourself, because you're the one making the choice, but it's so important to get feedback from people who care for
0: you and know you. Okay, here's, a, here's another question. What's if I'm on the quiet side, especially around new people? I don't talk much in general, especially with people I don't know. How do I navigate the first few dates? Great question. Uh, <laughs>
4: great question. So <laughs> I grew up, I had a teacher, a very big Talmud chacham, and the, the joke they used to say about him was he doesn't talk a lot and his wife doesn't talk a lot. So when he came out, when he came back from the after a few dates, his mother says, "Name is Label. Label, you like you, you, you like uh, you like what you're seeing. You like the 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 girl, the young woman." He says, "Well, she do, I, I like, but she doesn't talk a lot." So the mother says, "If she doesn't talk a lot, so how do you know?" He says, "When she talks, I like what she says." So the point really being is that I don't think it's so important you know, to judge yourself if you're the loud type or you're the quiet type. Every person has their nature and it takes time. By nature, to be shy at a date is normal. It means you're a sensitive human being. It means you're a dignified human being. You know, bulls in China shops are not appreciated. You're going out on a first date. It's good to be nervous. It means you're normal. <laughs> The fact that you're feeling this is a new person, it's serious, respect that about yourself. The important thing is not how loud or quiet. The important thing is that there is good and honest communication. In other words, you're giving him feedback to his words. He's giving you feedback to your words. You're asking questions that are important for you, and you're communicating in a way that is authentic. Don't ask yourself, am I loud? Am I quiet? You're not here to impress You're not going to change your nature every time you meet him. That's not the point of marriage. I'm sure there are unbelievably wonderful qualities about you. You have to believe in them. And when you want to share something, you'll share something. Let's face it, some young women are very, you know, talkative and communicative and they have a lot to say. And some people are very quiet. If I could tell you a little personal story. On my third date, I told my wife that I once heard... That there was a Bacher yeshiva and he didn't know how to date. How do you speak to a girl? So, Yatsir Rosh Hashiva said, The first date, you talk about food. The second date, you talk about family. And the third date, you talk about philosophy. Okay. So, the first date, he was quiet. You don't talk to a girl. After two hours, he says, Do you like spaghetti? Because he said, No. The date was over. This is the joke I'm telling my wife. She wasn't my wife yet. We were dating. The second date, Rosh Hashiva said family. So he's two hours. He's quiet. two hours, he says, you have a brother? She said, no. Okay, the date was over. The third date, you have to talk philosophy. So after two hours of silence, he says, if you would have had a brother, you think he would have liked spaghetti? And the date was over. So my w- now my wife turns to me and says... You forgot the end of the story." I said, what's the end of the story? The end of the story is they got married. (laughs) So we also got married. The point being, of course, is don't judge yourself how quiet or loud you are. The most important thing is that you should feel that you could be real with this person and he's being real with you and you'll say what you want to say and have to say and you want them ultimately to appreciate who you are as a person. You're not going to create a substitute personality
1: during the dates. Okay, amazing. Let's go to another live question over here.
4: This is what a quiet date looks like.
1: This is exactly what it looks like.
4: Let's practice. Let's practice. Don't get awkward.
1: We're talking now on the dates. I want to Let's go with this question. I noticed some red flag behaviors throughout the last few dates. We like each other and it's going well. I can even see myself marrying him. How much do I need to pay attention to those small things that keep on coming up? Small red flags. I would pay,
4: it's a great question. So of course, there's no one rule. I personally would advise my daughter to pay attention to small red flags and continue seeing how they develop. Not because they're necessarily big. Maybe they're not very significant. But give yourself the time. Because you don't want to regret these things. You know, sometimes people have told me, we dated. You know, I asked somebody. Somebody got divorced recently. And it was very, very difficult. And I said to her, I know her very well. I said, you're such an intelligent person. Didn't you see all this? She said, I saw everything. So I said, so what happened? She said, but there were so many good qualities. I said, you, know, you can't be picky. But I said, but these are serious red flags. Yeah, but in the context of all the virtues, you know, he was a learner and he was him and he was this. I ignored it. So what I'm saying to you is don't ignore small red flags. Talk them over with people, get feedback. Maybe we need some more research. Maybe you need some more time together. Maybe you have to ask them more questions. Maybe you have to see them in different settings. Take it easy, but be confident that these small red flags will not one day develop into larger obstacles.
1: Okay, let's go to a live question. You're on him.
2: Thank you. Okay, my question is: if a name comes up that doesn't talk to me, how do I know whether it's appropriate to say yes or no to just go out just to make sure?
3: It's a As great in, question. I
2: don't want to waste everyone's time. But I don't want the feedback of, oh, you're being too picky. You're not giving him a chance.
3: Right.
4: Right. So it's, it's, it's a very important question. And I think, I don't know that there's one answer for every situation, but I think a general logical approach would be that if you really feel there's no potential here based on some objective data and research, then you're right. You shouldn't be wasting people's times. But very often, let's face it, we hear a name and we decide that this person is not for me. But based on what? Sometimes it's based on a hunch that may be an instinct that is very, very deep. You know, like you may have read, you know, the the book Blink, how some of the most important decisions in history are made. That instinctive moment, not based on long rational analysis, but just that epiphany, the aha moment. So maybe that's happening, but very often, you know, sometimes a family name just triggers us or maybe something external is causing me uh, this feeling that I don't want to go out, but it's not really based on anything. So I think it's important to ask myself, ask ourselves, why, why, why am I against it? You know, what do I already know about this person? I didn't meet him. People are saying wonderful things. Maybe it is going to work. So if, however, you really feel that there's a real substantial reason that you're going to be wasting his time and your time, then I don't think it's called being picky. Then I think it's being rational and actually considerate of him and of yourself. So I wouldn't call it picky. So I think it depends what the motive motivation is. You know, if I'm always saying no, just because every little thing that I think is not good right away makes me say no, then you're right. It may be uh, a little disrespectful, like, you know, what do you want? But if there's a real reason for whatever whatever that real reason may be, then I don't see it as being picky. But I think we have to remain open. We have to remain open with so many people. You know, they heard a name or somebody said they saw them and they give descriptions. You know, I sometimes see a guy finishes a date. It didn't work out. She rejected him or whatever happened. And then he tells his friend, it'll never be good for you. Well, how could you say such a thing? The guy doesn't even want to go out. Or somebody tells the girl, you know, he'll never be good for you. Why? Not good for you. Maybe good for somebody else. It's important to have a certain openness and realize that souls are very different from each other.
0: Okay. This is another question here. I said, there's a big oil I'm trying to get in. I would tell everybody who's trying to get in, they can't hear me probably, but not to give up because... There's always space for two three more. Um, I'm 20 years old, but I'm very hesitant. To should st- told me yesterday that
4: these things are going to have 500 people. I see we have 1,000 people. Other we five, have
1: more. People can't, can't get in anymore. The, the other 500 are the bottom. Okay, bottom. No, no,
0: okay, uh, 20 year old, but I'm very hesitant to start dating. So I maybe feel- we should get, let them in. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I feel not ready. How can a person differentiate between cold feet, nervousness, and not ready? And what exactly does it take to be ready?
4: Nice question. How do we differentiate between cold feet? I'm just nervous and I'm really not ready. Okay. Well, nervousness is a form of unreadiness. Just realize that. I think what is important to understand is... I always have to, with help of people sometimes, ask myself, what makes me not ready? Sometimes I have psychological stuff that I have to work through. I don't like myself. I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I'm not ready for a relationship with somebody else. Because remember, sometimes people think, I'm gonna get married, you know, Prince Charming, and all my problems are gonna be solved. So here's the news, good news and the bad news. Whatever I dealt with before, I'm going to be dealing with after. It's not like marriage obliterates every single challenge, every single problem. You cannot expect from your husband or from your wife to solve all of your own issues with yourself. I have to be comfortable with me. There has to be a certain level of self-love and self-acceptance. Like Rabbi Twersky, Rabbi Dr. Avram Yahshua Heschel Tversky the Colonel of used to say, it says in this week's parash of Haftal, you should love your friend like yourself. He says, "Where does it say in Torah that you should love yourself? It doesn't say anywhere. There's no mitzvah. So he says, obviously, the Torah is saying that that's a foundation. If you want to love the other person. It's like you love yourself. But the Torah takes it as a foundational truth that you love yourself, not in a narcissistic way, in a very deep way. As a soul, as a chalik right. right. mal, as the manifestation of Hashem in this world. So it's very important to reach a certain level of self acceptance, of comfort with yourself. You know, somebody was telling me about their dates. They said, I, I was dating and trying to feel liked. I wanted to feel liked by the date. And that's what was my dating. And then I realized, I'm not dating to feel liked, I'm dating to figure out if I like him. If I love him, not if I'm likable, you got to be likable before you date. Because when I'm comfortable with myself, people are attracted to me. When I am comfortable in my own skin, people want to have a relationship with me. When I'm insecure and I'm self-conscious and I need you to validate me, then they can't really have a relationship with me because I'm looking for you to validate me. So my whole me is based on you, like the Kotzke Rebbe said. (laughs) <laughs>
0: Can they put that on the chat? Just summarized many marriages. Oh, the yeah. guy. i okay.
4: Okay. Rebbe said it. It's a brilliant, brilliant one line. with maybe three books of psychology about it. You could write three books about it. If I am I because you are you and you are you because I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. But if I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, then I am I and you are you. And now I would add, and now we can begin to schmooze. Now we can begin to date. Now we can get married. So this is so important to be able to have an I that can relate to a you. So it's important for you to look in the mirror. You may need help from people. You may need help from a professional. If you have a good relationship with your mother, father, you may need help from them or somebody else in your life. To be able to determine what is it that makes me feel that I'm not ready. Maybe there's a real obstacle. Maybe there's a trauma you have to deal with. Maybe boys or young men trigger you. Whatever it is, you have to respect it. And that's part of your mission. If it's just regular nervousness in the sense that I'm shy, I'm scared, it's a new stage in my life, thank God. Baruch I'm glad you're nervous. That nervous is a healthy nervousness. Yes, it's a new stage in life opening yourself to new opportunities and it's very it's, it's, it's a fascinating journey but it's it's an intense journey
1: we have a bunch of live we're going to try to knock us a bunch of live now live because okay. this line. So i want to say what remember we like
4: thing. live people we love live people
1: the whole sheers is about being live so live
4: if, you got to be alive, be alive. Chaim
1: Chaim they say a famous difference between men and women in marriage they so say a man when he dates somebody he says Ah. Oh, this is the woman I want to marry, she's skinny, she's calm, she's relaxed. Everything's perfect. I want to stay just like that for the rest of her life. The woman says, it's a very nice guy. I like him a lot. I think I can have something to work with. I can make him into Akeli. Okay. Live
4: question. You're on. Yeah, Archer, you got to finish the end of it.
1: Okay, you finish it. You finish the
4: end. Okay. A lot of men marry women hoping that they will never change. Women marry men hoping that they will change. The problem is the women are always changing and the men are never changing.
1: Okay. Live question. You're on. Hi.
5: Um, okay. My question is that if I'm not holding at the best place, should I put them on hold? I don't want to marry lower. So why should my husband?
4: Great question. I'm not, I'm you say you're feeling that you're experiencing a downer. Okay. But let me compliment you, the fact that you're calling it a downer means that you actually know what your real standards are, what your real values are. So that means that you're in a pretty honest place, because all of us go through changes in life. You know, most people, they have ups and they have downs. The question is, you know, what are your real innate values? What are you ready to fight for? It seems to me, I don't know you, so forgive me if I'm correct, when you say you're having Ashkafic challenges, I'm not sure it means that you really decided that you don't want this lifestyle, but rather you're going through maybe a journey, you have to figure some stuff out. So I would say that it depends how profound these challenges are. Now, if these challenges are really shaking up your very foundations, which it doesn't sound like that, it, but if it's really happening, then it's important for you to figure that out before you start dating because you want to be able to date somebody who's going to share some basic goals and values if it's more of a temporary situation you know you're having some difficult days maybe something happened so i would you don't necessarily have to take it so seriously so it really depends what type of downer you're experiencing is it part of the downer that is essential to life we live on a roller coaster There's darkness and there's light, or it's a downer that's really more fundamental, and you're doubting, you know, some fundamental things about your future in terms of hashkafa.
1: I just want to jump on this question before I go to another live. It's a very good question. It's unique to a lot of people, especially live out of town. I live out of town and I've been traveling for the first few, for the first, for the first dates for a couple of years now. I'm emotionally exhausted. And my boss is starting to get irritated by my constant absences. Yeah. I feel like I ask, if I ask a boy to fly to me, I will be really limiting myself. Can I expect a guy to fly in for me? And if so, how do I ask the other side to do that? For all those out-of-towners.
4: It's a great question. It's a great question for out-of-towners. And I think perhaps, it's an old expression in Yiddish, the best to is the emes. Sometimes the best way to talk about something is the honest raw truth. Can you communicate to the other side that your boss, your poor boss is going crazy, you've been traveling a lot, and you would really love, it's not like you're trying to be, you know, tough and, 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 and picky and stubborn, and you need them to compromise, but you just, you're in a situation where this is where your job is, you know, maybe it'll change in the future, and therefore you're just asking them a favor. And I think, you know, if I would hear such a request, it's very rational, you know, you, you, you traveled a lot of times, it didn't work out. It's just a menschliche thing to do. I think people would respect that. I don't see them. I don't see that people would see it as selfish at all. You know, you just you're trying to to balance different things. Maybe at some point you could move, but maybe that's not possible. I don't know the details. Maybe this is healthier for you and much better for you in terms of your serenity and your schedule and your lifestyle. But I think people would be would be very understanding. Maybe not always. Once in a while, you could still you could still fly in. So. Uh, I I would communicate this openly. I don't
1: think you have to be ashamed. Okay, I want to cover this topic, an interesting topic also. People that have a little bit of a hard time when they get started. My first experience with Shaduchim was very hard and it left a very negative feeling towards the whole Parsha. I have heard bad things about the person from outside sources, but my parents and the shatkin were dismissing it. And even after I went out, I didn't like it. They kept on pressuring me to continue, continue. Eventually I said no, but it built up a lot of negative feelings for me. As much as I try to push away this experience, I can't get rid of it. I've gone out afterwards a few times, but I have a natural disgust towards dating, which holds me back from trying to enjoy it. How am I supposed to get out of it? How am I supposed to go out with a healthy, fresh outlook after having a bad taste in my mouth?
4: Great question. It's so important to understand quote, expression of the Rambam about something else. This this is part of the nature of the world, meaning, in order to find our Shidduch, we often go through other connections, other relationships, that prepare us for that moment. Every, nothing is by mistake. There's a word from the of Baditchev. It's a fascinating story, very interesting story. Rebbe Yitzhak of Baditchev, the Holy Baditchev was a matchmaker. The matchmaker would come and offer him for his grandchildren, especially one of his sons died. So he married off the children, Reb Meir, Reb Meir's children. So this would come, Reb Levitik would roll up, his, put away his talis fill in after davening, and he would come up with names. And every name that he gave, he suggested, Reb Levitik gave him a, a, a silver coin. Every name, whether it worked out or didn't work out. Finally, he saw that nothing is working out, and he's just taking money from the Badit Shiver, who wasn't a rich man. He felt like he's a thief, so he stopped coming with names. One day, the Badit Shiver says, why don't you tell me names anymore? He said, I'm wasting your time. I'm giving you names. I'm taking money. For no reason, nothing happens to most of these shidduch. You know what he said to him? He said, the Gemara says that 40 days before a child is created is a there's a, a heavenly voice, Bas Plaini, Le Plaini this girl for this man. And the Malachim, you know, they're like the WhatsApp. The WhatsApp industry in heaven are the angels. He says, now sometimes the angel that we create, who are mitzvahs, or davening of the mitzvahs are a little blemished. So the angels are sometimes a little blemished. So sometimes they have hearing problems. So they hear, one name was announced, but they hear another name. <laughs> A similar name. So they announced a similar name. And because it comes from Allah, so in order to get to the Shidduch, you have to go through that name in order to get to the real name because it was announced in heaven. Even if the angels made a little mistake, it was announced in heaven, this name. So he says, Every time you suggest a name for one of my grandchildren, we overcome another hurdle to get to the right Shidduch. So therefore, I'm giving you a coin. So every person you meet, it's not a mistake. It's part of the journey that you and I need in our life in order to be able to mature, to develop, to become the people that we're capable of becoming. The fact that you met this person and it didn't work out, there's something to learn from it. There's something to learn about people, about life, about yourself. Maybe there's something to learn from how you're being triggered, from your reactions, maybe how you judge people, maybe how you respond to people, maybe to learn how other people responded to him. This is an opportunity for you to grow instead of focusing and obsessing on how bad he is. That's not our job. Our job is not to judge people. Every person has their own journey. Our job is to learn what's the lesson for me in this. So I say to you, dating is a process. It's a journey. This was part of your journey. See what you could learn from it, how you could become a better person from this experience. Every encounter in the world can make you a better person. The Baal Shem said there's nothing that a person sees or hears that does not help us in our arvaitas Hashem. And other people are mirrors. They show us what we have to work on. So I say, take the lessons, challenge yourself, and now go on another date with a new perspective as a better, mature, deeper, more authentic human being.
1: Wow, oh, Mr. Shker. I just want to tell you, Rabbi, an interesting story happened to me last week. Before the next live question, I was eating out with my wife and somebody came over to me, uh, uh, a couple. They said they watched the first year on the dating and their, their son just started dating during that time. He said that, come out every question about how to be Machazic, the son, what to ask, what to, they, they followed the sheer step by step. He said, Imam, hey, I have a tremendous career I should tell you. So I'm just telling you the know. Thank you, Boris. Oh, and the guy got engaged also. Oh, muzzle toe. Okay, let's go to the next live question.
3: Okay, thank you for your time. Um, you mentioned red flags. And the thing is, Google might have like red flags. But then when I listen to Torah, and it's like the woman's role is to, to be connected. All, and when it comes to addiction, um, is that something that the woman, I guess there's this part. So one, is that something that the woman, it's like my job to help? And when I'm dating, if I see something like that, okay, that's fine. I'm I'm healthy, whatever. I like I can help the man overcome that. And then the second part is if that's something that's you know, like I have doubts about, but then at the same time, man should not be alone, and man needs to get married. So so then am I what like what do I do in that situation? Because what we have to do is get married.
4: Okay, so Leora, what I would say to you is as follows. If you're dating a young man who's suffering from addiction, that's a very, very serious situation. Now, some people who are suffering from addiction and have the courage to go into recovery become unbelievably powerful and great people. As the Gemara says in Brachas, or Bavo says, the place where Bali Truva stand, even the greatest Sadikim can stand do not stand. But this is not the responsibility of the, of, of the young woman or the wife. I can support somebody. I can love them. I want to believe in them. I want to create a space for them. But ultimately, the job to heal is on the person himself or herself who's suffering from the addiction. But I think one has to be very, very careful when entering into a relationship with somebody who's suffering from an addiction. Because if they're actively involved in the addiction, I would be very, very cautious, very, very careful. If they're actively involved in recovery, and they are really changed people, and that takes a lot, a lot of work, then sometimes you're dealing with the most amazing people. But certainly, you cannot take it on yourself, the responsibility for somebody else. I cannot heal you. You cannot heal me. I could support a person. I can love a person. I can be here for them. But ultimately, you have to confront your demons and your traumas and your insecurities. I mean, you, as in the person suffering from the addiction.
1: let's. let's we have so many more topics. Over. I want to try to cover some more over here. Um, I am 26 years old now, and I do not want to get married yet. I would like to continue my education and build a career before I start a family. My parents are not happy about this decision. What advice can you give me?
4: interesting question. What advice can I give you? The advice I can give you is, I think, obviously you're 26. So you're a big girl, as they would say, if I could use that expression. And ultimately, you have to make the decision. Nobody can make the decision for you. Nobody could control your life, especially not at the age of 26. However, what I would tell you as a brother to, to a sister, we're all family, we're all Jews, we're all family is, I think it's important for you to look into yourself. What is really stopping you? What is really holding you back? Because, let's face it, from a Jewish perspective, you know, the, there's a powerful gemara in Masech Shabbos, Ches, Rabbi one of the greatest tanoyim said, I never called my wife, my wife. I always called my wife, my home. Yeah. What's the big deal? What's, what, what's the big deal? I never called my wife my wife. I always called my wife my home. Okay, very nice. So what? He was trying to say something very powerful. What he was saying is, from the moment I married her, from the moment I met her, I never just saw here another individual, another person who I should respect, whom I should cherish, whom I should like, whom I should love, which is, of course, very important. The Sima but rather, I saw... In my spouse, my home. Without her I was homeless. (laughs) I don't have a home. She doesn't only give me a space to live in. She takes a house and she turns it into a home. A spouse, a wife, creates a bias. She creates an infrastructure in this world that a man on his own can't do, even if he has the most neat and beautiful apartment. It's the relationship with Ishtoy, that's why it says by the Kayin Gadol, the first mission in Yuma, they're learning now in Dafyaimi, Zu The woman takes a house and turns it into a home. She takes living quarters and turns it into a life. She creates a, a foundation, an infrastructure. And there's no greater bias in the world. Tell me what is a greater home than a family unit of a husband and a wife, and with God's blessings, future generations for eternity. I could create the biggest company, the most powerful, powerful corporation, the greatest website, the greatest organization, amazing, good, make a lot of money, make a lot of revenue. But does it come close to the bias that a Jewish woman and a Jewish man create through a marriage? This is creating eternity, creating souls. <laughs> it's bringing down God into the world. So what I would tell you as a a friend, as a sibling, as a brother is, you have to make the decision. But I would look deep into myself and ask myself, what is really holding me back? What is my ultimate priority in life? What are my ultimate values in life? And ask yourself when you're 95 years old, and you're gonna look back at the decision to delay marriage another five years, another 10 years, whatever it is, are you going to be proud of that decision or not? Now, sometimes we look at things short term. So it's important to have that perspective, a full bird's eye view on your life, and really ask yourself, what decision will you be more proud of when you hit that age of 97? I read the same number,
0: I think I think it's very important to discuss a lot of what we're discussing now is logically makes sense, but um, talking about people who are starting or in middle really the the process of being vulnerable sitting down with a different person opening up and then what they call rejection, which we know is not really a rejection, but that's how people feel and then they have to do it again and then they feel, okay, this one looks like it's gonna work out, and they open up again, and then doesn't, this whole, I, I think we need some ideas, more, more the emotional sides of how to go through this process and to be able to say, like you're saying, every new thing, you're nervous, and to be able to say, okay, I'm going on, I'll be able to go on, the physic, it sounds easy to say, but when people are in it, it, it gets sometimes really, really hard. Yeah.
4: Emotionally, it's hard. Emotionally,
0: it's hard. And
4: we need a good support system within ourselves. You know, you need resilience and and fortitude. And you have to have a good relationship with Hashem and a good relationship with your soul, with yourself. Good people that you can talk to because it's emotionally difficult. And it's so important just to be able to Embrace your situation with dignity and never ever to become a victim of your circumstances and just feel chas that you're a shlamazel or you're a layutzlachnik or you're a loser or you're just a victim. But really realise that every single one of us, every single one of you, every one of the young women who's listening to us tonight, just remember who you are. You are an ambassador of Hashem in this world. You are an ambassador of love, light, hope, and healing. When somebody sends you on a mission, you represent the one who sent you. So you represent Hashem in this world. You are an ambassador of Hashem. At your core, you're powerful, you're indestructible, you're full of confidence, promise, possibility, joy positivity. And even many of us have emotional struggles. All of us have emotional struggles, and we have to deal with them. We have to confront them. But don't be afraid of any of your emotions or any of your struggles, because your soul is infinite. And your soul is bigger than them. And your soul is larger than them. And you could contain everything that's inside of you without the need to run away without the need to duck without the need to go into shame to detach to space out to become completely consumed by self-loathing and self-hate and self-shame these are all thoughts that we have but don't let those thoughts define your core your core is you're a spark of infinity and therefore you could contain all of the traumas and all of the difficult challenges that are inside of you. And we have to confront them, but confront them from a place of knowing that your internal self is as wholesome as it gets. And nobody and nobody and nothing can destroy it, can eliminate that, can obliterate it, or can even can even compromise its, its beauty, its grandeur.
1: But I want to get into the topic. We got a few emails about the similar questions, but I'm gonna ask this question. But let's let's broaden it. But how much do we share about our past chatoyim in our lives when we date? The question came like this: I'm a firm base Yaakov girl. I've had past relationship past relationships with guys, which is extremely not accepted in our circles. Am I supposed to mention it when I'm dating somebody very and it's getting serious, or leave it out?
4: It's a great question. And the real answer to that is, I think, the answer that I have heard from quite a few therapists and rabbis whom I respect dearly is, if it's mamash something of your past and it doesn't have implications on your present, there's no obligation to mention it. If it's something that is interfering or impacting your present situation, then it's important for the person you're entering into a relationship with to understand what's going on. But this is something you have to be very honest about. You don't want to be deceptive about this because it's, you're not just hurting the other person. You're going to be hurting yourself because they're not going to be able to trust you. So you really have to ask yourself an important question. You had other relationships in the past. Are you still into those relationships? Do you still have a crush? Is there still something going on? Does it really define you? Is it still impacting you and influencing you, or is it just something of the past? If it's really something completely of the past and you're over it, there's no mitzvah to mention it. Maybe one day there's going to be a level of trust between you, and you'll feel comfortable with talking about everything of your past. You'll have to make that decision when we reach the, that point, but there's no obligation. On the other hand, if there's a real impact on an influence right now, then... It's important to bring it up. It's important to deal with it because it's part of your life now.
0: Well,
1: Okay. Um, what? Although I have a few lives. I want to see if they're ready, which one's ready. Sorry, one sec.
0: Okay, before the lives. This is a a message direct to Robert Jacobson. My name is Sarah. I'm a young girl entering shidduchim soon. I have a medical condition, which I understand. Because of it, I will have I will have to compromise with different things. I would ideally want in a shidduch. My question is how much to compromise? Do I compromise on physical features, only height, weight, or basically what do I compromise? What do I give up? What, what, what are important, what not important? Where do I go with that? Wow.
4: So first of all, Sarah, thank you for being here with us and thank you for sharing. And I'm sorry, it must be so difficult and Hashem should give you all the kayach and all the strength that you need now and in the future to be able to have, you know, an amazing recovery in the best and smoothest and easiest way. In terms of your question, what I would say is, it's a very personal question, and I think it's really about yourself. In other words, you could compromise about many things in life, but you can't compromise things that will make you feel that your life is really... Not a good life. So it's important to compromise about things. We all have to compromise, by the way. No situation, no person is perfect. But you don't want to compromise on things that are really dear to you and really matter to you. You know, I can compromise on dreams that may have been grand and amazing and stupendous. And maybe some of those dreams can't be realized. Okay. Okay. But I can't compromise on things that matter to me in terms of my values. What's going to make my home a home that I can be proud of? What's going to be my fa- make my family a family that I feel comfortable with? What type of lifestyle we're going to live? So those things you have to really ask yourself. If those things are really important to you as a person, you want to protect them. You, know, you cannot sacrifice yourself for the marriage where you don't exist anymore. So I think it's important to make a distinction between things that I would like and appreciate and they're part of my dreams. And maybe I want to compromise on them because of different situations. But you don't want to compromise on those things that are really intrinsic to you and really matter very deeply to you. And it's important to be able to communicate that. And you have to have a certain clarity about that. And You probably, I assume, have a clarity about that in terms of what are those values that really mean a lot to you. And, and for you, you know, not having them will really make life so much more difficult, so much less endearing and sweet.
1: Okay, hey, Rabbi, wait, wait. Let's, let's cover this question. Um, while dating, I often think, what if a person is not really who he seems to be? What, what, if, what if he seems to be a nice guy, but he really isn't? I guess it's because I know some people like that who appear one way but are really but aren't who they really seem to be. You get once you get to know them better. As a result of this, I date very cautiously. I know most people are inherently good, but how can I ensure I don't end up with one of those who aren't?
4: Good thinking. Good thinking, young woman. Yes, yes. You know, sometimes people end up in a marriage I'm I'm I'm, I'm so sorry to say this. And then the marriage doesn't work out. And the obnoxiousness and the rude behavior is sometimes mind staggering. You know, I always bet couples. I know it's not our topic tonight. But I always say, even if you guys are going to drift away, menschle., just menschlichkeit, Humanists, don't use knives and spears and daggers and bring in kids and use them as missiles. It simply staggers my mind that because of the anger of the husband towards the wife, or the wife towards the husband, they'll kill each other, and they'll destroy their children to take revenge. So it's so important to be able to be married to a mensch. And I say to you, these are the real things you want to look at. You want to look at a person's middice, their Yerusha and their menschlichkeit. And if you need more time to check it out, find out. And also, it's important to do research. How do you do research? You don't call his best friends who don't know you. You have to call people who are closer to your family than to his family, maybe, and really try to find out a lot about this person. You know, his relationship with his teachers, his relationships with his friends, with his peers, with his colleagues, with his chavrusis, with his chavayim, you know, his parents. Maybe sometimes, I, I have here a neighbor in Muncie, she told me, and my wife, she said, I don't let I don't let my my daughter date anybody until the son does not come to my, <laughs> to my house and he has a meal here and I have to meet him and I have to bring with his father and his mother and then I allow them to date. So I don't know if that's practical for every situation, but I like this mother. She had the confidence, you know, I got to make sure that this guy is, is, is a menschlich person, you know, he's, he's, he knows how to relate to people and, you know, women... Have They have a sense of smell, especially an experienced Jewish mother and grandmother. She happens to be quite healthy and, and confident with herself. But these are important things. Do what you have to do to be able to make sure that he is kind. He is flexible. He's a person you can talk to. He's a person who's ready to compromise. He's a person who's menschler. These are important, important things. First of all, to have a great marriage. You want a kind person. You need a person who, who could who could, who could compromise. A person who, even if there are disagreements, and even if there are fights, and even there are disputes, this is a good
1: person to fight with.
4: <laughs> this is a good, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is the person you want to debate with.
1: Okay, well, okay let's go to the live question. You're on.
2: Hi, uh, I'm 18 years old, and I'm about sugar. And right now, I'm very... Back then, lots of stuff happened, and here I am, I'm 18, and everybody, somehow, they decide that they're going right back to where I was at 15. I turned 16, I became a vatshuva. They keep bringing up my past, and I'm chasidish. So in that world, being a vatshuva is like, <laughs> how do you deal with that? As in, And then I have another question on, if you went through mental illness, Do you have to actually say it? Because most people say, don't say it at all. Hide all the information, everything. And I'm like, that's,
3: I don't know.
4: Miriam, you're a special girl. It's a privilege and a pleasure to have you with us on the program. And thank you for sharing so honestly and candidly. What I want to say to you is, and it really relates to everybody, but especially relates to you. And I think you're a shining example of this. You became a balas at 16 years old. This was not a mistake. Hashem planted you in a specific family. He planted every one of us in the families that we are in. So that you should go on your journey and you came to discover Yiddishkeit on your own. Like Avram Avinu. You're like Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu. didn't have a Jewish uh, education with Torah. He grew up by Terach. And his mother Amaslai and the Gemara describes it wasn't, you know, Terach was Terach. And he discovered Hashem from within himself. And that's what you did. So you are an extraordinary person, extraordinary soul, and you deserve and you're going to get an extraordinary man. And people who come to you and mention the fact that you're a baltruva, you have to see it as a badge of honor. And you tell them, yeah, I'm a baltruva, which means I have a real relationship with God. (laughs) I'm not an FFB. I'm not fablonjot from birth. That was a joke. Maybe not. I, am, I have a real relationship with God and I need a boy who's going to appreciate that. And I am sure, I know, that there are quite many young men who appreciate precisely that. In fact, I was not long ago at, a, at an engagement party of a girl who came from a very, very Hasidisha family, but I have to tell this to you. She is unbelievably genuine, and after dating people who grew up from for a while, she said, I think I need a Baltruva. I need somebody that their journey towards Yiddishkeit is just very deep and authentic. Not to say that people who grew up from don't have a deep relationship, but there's something about a baltruva They had to fight for their Yiddishkeit. And she just got engaged to a Baltruva family because she needed that type of boy. And I think it's a badge of honor. You have to tell people, don't be embarrassed, Miriam. This, is, this was the hajagach of the Shalilah. Say, yeah, I am this type of girl. I need somebody who's going to appreciate me, what I could bring to the table and what they can bring to the table. In terms of mental illness, a very important question. So I'll tell you what I heard from Arav HaGon, Reb David Cohen Schlitter from Gvul Yavitz, one of the great poiskim in America, in Flatbush. And we were together at a Shabbaton and somebody brought up these types of questions. You know, when do you reveal these things? To completely hide it, I don't think it makes sense. How can you hide such important things from the other person? It's this, would you want that to be done to your daughter, to your son? And imagine my son or my daughter is dating somebody and they hide all the information. I don't understand that. I, I cannot see how in good conscience anybody can tolerate that. So I am very proud of your sensitivity to that. But what he said was that sometimes certain things, if you bring it up in the beginning, there's no chance for a date. So he said after three or four dates... When there is already some connection and some chemistry, you bring it up. So now there's at least hope that he or she might say, you know what? I really like this person and I want to do more research. I'm going to speak to the doctor, speak to the psychiatrist, speak to the psychologist, find out the details, and then he'll make a decision. Or she'll make a decision. I want to continue. I don't want to continue. That's usually the advice given by uh, some of the great authorities.
1: I, somebody just texted, I just sent it to Miriam, a person that deals with people that are Hasidisha about shubhas, and she does she okay, great gave some information. See
4: that? By the way, way shidduchim came out from these programs. She just knows, that just coming onto the Zoom, people always say they're looking for zgulis. One of the zgulis we should put it up, yeah, near the mikvahs and near the cholans, and this is coming onto the Coach Menachem, Asher Parnas Zoom. Uh, well, uh,
1: Yes, we've had a lot of interesting stories, a lot of crazy Especially stories. Especially
4: if you come live, then there's a lot of networking
1: in this. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of people texting. I just want to cover this topic. It's a chizik topic. A lot of people saying for months and months, they're not getting read any shagot no dates, whether they're younger, whether they're older singles. And uh, how do we get, how do they get the chizik to not get into depression, just months and months where the phone does not ring?
4: shayla, ah, tired so, first of all, I just want to say that I'm sorry and we, I empathize. It's very difficult. It's emotionally draining. Sometimes you feel like you don't want to wake up in the morning or you don't have what to wake up in the morning for, and you see other people in your classes already married and having babies. It's very, very difficult. And it's important to acknowledge the emotion, to feel it. There's an element of, of sadness, an element of grief here that's necessary, and not to judge yourself because you're a human being and it's tough. And it's tough. And you could you could you could shed a few tears, it's fine. You know, respect the emotions, respect the process, number one. Number two, what I would suggest to you, and I say this not as a preacher, you know, whoever knows me by now knows I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pontificator. I speak I hope you know what the word pontificator means. Look it up, it's a good word. I speak as a brother to brothers, and in this case, as a brother to sisters, with connection, with, uh, with affection, and with ava Sisram. And that is, it's important not to allow chas these feelings to paralyze you. You have an amazing life. You are a gift to humanity. You're a gift to the world. Put all yourself into something that will stimulate your growth. Become passionate about something. Build something. Grow towards something. Create a project. Create a plan. Do something maybe you wanted to do, whether it's in the field of giving, whether it's in the field of education, whether it's in the field of learning, whether it's in the field of spiritual growth, whether it's in the field of creativity. You know, we live today in a world with so much opportunity. To be able to be Mekanda Shem Shamayim, to be able to spread Yiddishkeit, to be able to give to people tremendously. Here, look at this. Corona happened. Everybody was scratching. The world closed down. Came two younger lights from Lakewood. Okay. Now, I want to tell you something. They come from a community that I love. I have their thousands of friends. But like other communities, people didn't talk so much about these stuff, right? It was under the rug came two Younger Light, they started a Zoom, and suddenly I started to get feedback, this honest conversation, they're talking about issues, they're talking about issues, and look, 55 programs, yeah, with hundreds of thousands of Eden helped in so many ways. Look at the project, look at the project, and not a lot of money. It's not like they they had to raise a two million dollars. You know they're raising soon for the twenty million. They didn't have to raise twenty million dollars. The budget didn't even have to raise uh, fifty thousand dollars.
1: can use it, I, mean, I can't say.
4: What I you want, he, if you have two million dollars to spear, fine. Go send, with pleasure.
1: Great,
4: but my point is, be creative. So I say, don't look at yourself. Nobody's reading Shiduchim for me. My life is a waste of time. I understand it's painful and have empathy for yourself. And it's difficult. We we want to get married. It's a dream. It's a goal. It's it's a tremendous bracha to build a biased num and be strong. But also remember who told us to get married. We don't get married because we came up with some nice idea that men and women should dorm together. In fact, rationally it makes more sense that the Bakram should stay in the Bakram dormitory and the girl should stay in the girl dormitory. The reason we get married is because the creator of the world, the Rebbeinah Shalaylam, and his inimitable sense of humor (laughs) decided that a man and a woman should get married together and figure it out together. The same Rebbeinah Shalaylam who said we should get married is also guiding each and every single one of us in our path. Until that right time comes, Trust Him. Build a real relationship with Him. And realize that your life today has infinite value. Cherish it. Wake up in the morning and say, God, we're going to make this together a great day. Fasten your seatbelt. We're going to have an incredible journey. Suck the marrow out of life and live your life to the fullest. Because Yiddishkeit doesn't believe in destinations. Yiddishkeit says that every journey... Is your destination if to get from point A to point C, you have to go through point B. Point B is part of your destination. The writes that the reason that Imparsus Masay says Moisha wrote, every single journey the Jews took through the desert, 42 encampments. By Yesu, they left here and they came here. They left here, they came here, they left here, they came here. But ba'alush. Come on, just tell me. I have to say every airport I stopped in and every every gate and every restaurant and every restroom and every come on. You say you went from here to Montreal. Well, not now. You went you have to tell me every gas station you stopped in. Yeah, Moshe was saying every stop on the way to get to your destination is also a destination it's part of your purpose so yes i know it's difficult and we all empathize and it's important to empathize and it's hard and then from that look and tell god and say he made i'm here today and i want to make today an amazing life and throw yourself into something don't be afraid don't get
1: paralyzed, as for Okay, let's go. We have so many more live questions. You're on.
4: And, and, very important one more sentence social conformity is sometimes a killer. You have to embrace your own life. You can't always look at somebody else and think, what are they thinking about me not being married? If I show up at the mitzvotans of the shemir of this, and my bub is going to come over and it's going to say what's with I had a grandmother, a tzadikis, mamushat of a woman, my mother's mother, the of wrath. Every time I went to her house, I would go Friday. Other times she would say I got married a little, little late. I was I turned 27. So it was a little late. My class was married already. Most of not everybody, most of my class. Every time I would say, Baba, I have to marry a woman, yeah? She'd say, oh, no, You have to, people will make she meant very well and loving. My point is, people make comments. You have to become comfortable with yourself. I can just live for other people. And live in their minds, and constantly try to be yotze for them. It's not going to work.
1: Okay, you're on.
5: Hi, my question is: Is that how do you know if you're doing too much or too little hichdalot? And is there ever a point where maybe you are doing too much, and maybe uh, you should, you know, step down on that?
4: Could you give an example?
5: I don't know. Maybe you felt like you've done everything you. Contacted every shatchan, you know, you've I don't know done as much as you could, you know, you've been dating for a long time, you know.
4: Great question. How do you know when you're doing you're doing too much ishtadlus, too little ishtadlus, and so forth. And 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 one one of uh, one of the girls wrote, I see in the question, does ishtadlus include that I have to change the look of my body and I have to go to exercise every day? Is that ishtadlus? Is that also included in Istadlus, etc.? These are wonderful questions, and I think I think it's important to mention two points, and that is, ishtadlus means that we do what is usually done alpiteva. We make a keli, what's called a keli. We create a vessel for Hashem's plan under natural circumstances. Istadlus doesn't mean I should be anxious. I should be stressed out. That's not part of the Ishtadlus. Hashem says, Hashem says, let me do it. I just need you to make a vessel. What type of vessel? A vessel that's normal according to the natural circumstances. That means I search according to the Deir HaTeva. I seek out the type of help that is normal to seek out in this situation. But I should not think that I have to go and manipulate and figure out every single system and and go search for every website of every Zgul, of every Mekubal, and of every Baba in every town of Israel. That's, I think, you know, we, we we drive ourselves crazy. And I don't see that as as, as vital to Stadlus means what Alpitra, what Toyder considers Histadlus, Alpiteva, um, according to the tradition of the Jewish people. In terms of doing things, in terms of, you know, self self-growth, in terms of beauty or physicality, emotional, it's important to focus on things that are valuable to yourself things that are of value to yourself. In other words, you want to invest in things that will promote your own life and make you feel better, make you, give you more energy, give you more stamina, that, that's That's perfectly fine to do. But I think it's important that it shouldn't be coming from a place of insecurity and self-loathing. Because when I go out on a date and I'm so uncomfortable with myself and I'm waiting for the guy to make me feel good about me, I may, I, may, I, may, I, may, I may have to wait 90 years. So you really have to come from a place where, where you can validate yourself and people who are close to you can give you that validation. Again, I'm not going on a date to feel liked. I'm going on a date to see if I like him.
1: Wow, from Prabhulay, let's go to another live. You're on.
5: Um, thank you for your time. My question is that I'm considered a pretty intellectual girl. People say that, they, that I'm intelligent. They see my intelligence, and and then they t- I've I've heard from a few people that they tell me to be careful not to intimidate the boys. That I should hide my intellectual side, and at least in the beginning. And they say that boys are not looking for smart girls. They just look for girls that will bake potato kugel and just, you know, <laughs> do the laundry and wash the dishes. They don't. They are not looking for for intelligence. And it bothers me because I am myself and also the fact that I keep on hearing this make me feel like should I stop growing you know should I stop learning should I stop um I feel like it's it's a chisaron. and all of a sudden it became a chisaron at this point in my life until now all the teachers encourage us to learn they encourage us to grow they encourage us to do well in tests and all of a sudden towards the end of seminary they tell us actually you know what actually leave all the learning down
4: dumb it down
5: yeah dumb it down throw it in the garbage and go bake potato kogel and go be a female and it bothers me because I just don't see, I see the contradiction and I don't know how to go about it and what perspectives to take on dating.
1: why okay. It's an intelligent question.
4: I wanted to say you're quite an intelligent young woman, but I do want to ask, I do want to tell you, I have an unbelievable recipe for potato kugel. Do you need a recipe for potato kugel? That was just a joke. Uh, it's a great, great question. Wow, wonderful question. You are quite intelligent. I don't, I don't think you need my askama. But isn't that telling, isn't that telling a little sad, right? All your years in school, they're telling you, oh, it's amazing, you're learning and learning. And now, finally, you're finishing seminary. You got to dumb it down because the, the, the boys want laundry and potato cook. So, wow, it's a little hard for me. You, you caught me off guard with that. But what I would say is I'm sure, I'm sure that there are boys who appreciate very much to have an intelligent spouse. Um, I, know, I know myself and I know, I know quite a few men who are intelligent and they appreciate very, very much the intelligence of their spouses. I would say what my sister told me when I was dating she said, Yosef my name is Yosef Yitzchak, why, why? You're not looking for a chavrusa. You're looking for a wife. That's good. You don't have to sit down every morning to learn baba kama or baba basa with your spouse. Maybe, I don't know. You're looking for a spouse. That's important. A spouse is not a chavrusa, meaning a spouse is not somebody. It's good to learn with your spouse. It's a wonderful thing to have a chavrusa with your spouse. But the point of the spouse is much more than just a learning partner. It's somebody with whom you build life. It's somebody with whom you build a home, somebody with deep loyalty and trust. But I think an intelligent young man would cherish the opportunity to have an intelligent young woman to be able to schmooze, converse, bond, connect. So it's actually a little startling to me to say that none of the none of the intelligent boys want intelligent girls. All they want is is, is luxen kugel and potato kugel and laundry. Maybe there's a certain amount of people like that, but. I, I am sure that there are very fine young men who will cherish, cherish your intelligence and not be intimidated at all. They will appreciate it. So I, I don't think you should dumb it down, and I don't think you should stop growing. And if a guy is really intimidated by your intelligence, well, then maybe he's not intelligent enough for you, number one. And number two, Maybe what they're referring to is something else, and this I'm not say, I'm just asking, and that is maybe they want to see your emotions and not just your cerebral part. Sometimes people are very cerebral, and I want to feel their heart, right? It's true with men as well. Some people are very intellectual, but where's your heart? So the question is, are people maybe feeling that they want to feel more of your heart, not just your, your cerebral gifts? That may be something, and that's a worthwhile goal for each of us to really integrate our minds and our hearts.
0: There's a question over here from a girl that went out a while ago and it didn't work out. And now she's thinking about it. She would want to revisit if it's a good idea. Wow, that's a very interesting question. But
4: basically it didn't work out. You're still having feelings towards him and you want to revisit it. And the truth is, if you really feel that he may be a good guy for you, it may take some guts, it may take some courage, but if the opportunity is there, I don't see why not. You know, if he may be interested or you have a way of making him interested and you really feel this is good for you, I think that's fine. I don't see why not. I I know a situation happened not long ago here in my neighborhood where there was a fellow and he met this young woman and it did not work out or so they thought. But he decided that he really, really wants her and he really pursued her. He wrote her a long letter, a letter, not an email, not a text message, not a... Not a WhatsApp, a letter, you know, the old-style letters, with an envelope, with a stamp. I don't know if any of this young generation ever saw an envelope with a stamp. You write a letter. But we in camp would get letters from our parents. You remember how many times you would read the letter? Now uh, We would read the letter like 93 times every night, a few times, and put it back in the envelope. And you know what? She liked the letter. And she said, yeah. And, you know, today they got engaged. So, uh, So sometimes you got to uh, fight for what you think is amazing for you. You know, do it with SACL and make sure it's not coming from desperation. It's really you feel that this is the right person. Because if you're the one who stopped it last time, so just realize that, you know, you may, you just want to make sure you're not infatuated. And it's really coming from a healthy and wholesome place. You don't want to continue dating ever out of weakness, you want to always date and get engaged and get married from a place of strength and empowerment. In other words, whenever I make a decision from a place of weakness, I'm very vulnerable, I'm very weak, I need validation, I just need somebody to be near me. You have to be very careful because you're not shining fully. You want that your choice for a relationship, long-term relationship, coming from your inner core, from your place of confidence. Because if it's coming from a place of weakness, tomorrow I may wake up and say, oh my God, my God, what did I do? So just make sure that it's coming from a real place of inner clarity and
1: strength. Okay, well, let's try to hop around like one or two more questions. Um, Let's globalize this question somebody sent in, but I think it's an important question. I'm I'm 23 years old and my parents are divorced. One of my parents is controlling and doesn't want the other parent to be involved in any part of my dating. What should I do? So let's globalize that. Forget, you know, just in general, when you have two parents that, One is more like telling you to do something and don't listen to the other one. And you're already a big girl, you're dating, how to deal with, how to navigate something like that.
4: Excellent question. But you, you, I think you gave the answer. You said you're 23 years old. When you're 23 years old, you're an adult, (laughs) to put it simply. And I think in very respectful ways, if you cherish the advice and the input of that other parent, I think in very respectful and kind ways, you can share with this parent and say, you know, I understand that there are issues between you. Your marriage didn't work out. But for me, this is my mother. This is my father. And I would really like their input. I would really cherish their input. So please, you know, respect those boundaries. And uh, I think it's important, again, to state it respectfully. That's number one. Number two, the question is, again, I don't know the dynamics, but does the other parent have to know about the input you're getting from this parent? Maybe it's not a mitzvah to go back and say, oh, your ex or mama, or tati said so-and-so. Maybe that could be more private. In other words, try to see if you could figure out a way where it doesn't interfere in the dynamics of the divorce. But generally speaking, if that cannot be done. I think it's anyway important for you to make that decision based on what you need. You know, in Hilchis, and Shulchan Aruch, there's the laws of respecting a father and mother. And it says over there, if a father tells somebody, I don't want you to marry this person, I don't have to listen. It may be good advice to listen, especially if my father loves me and is an intelligent guy and he knows what's good for me. But halachically, respecting parents doesn't mean that I have to marry the person they want me to marry. It means I have to respect them in what they need, but not in them telling me what I should do with my marriage. So it's very important to understand those boundaries. We have to respect our parents. But you are the one who have to decide, who has to decide who to marry. And you're the one who's entitled to ask advice from the people that you want to ask. Imagine if your parent tells you, I don't like this person who you consult with, but maybe this person you love and they're helping you. Now, here is just an important qualification, and that is if your parent is telling you something rational that may be true. In other words, if maybe you're involved with getting you're getting advice from somebody who may be steering you in the wrong direction, so that you should consider that, but let's, let's make sure it's that, and still you have to feel it out and make sure it's true. It's not just coming from the vendetta that he has against your mother, or she has against your father. So if they're saying something rational where really this person is steering you in the wrong direction, okay. That's something to consider. Maybe you need to speak to a third party who's more objective and figure out what's the right thing for you. But don't be intimidated by these things. You have to really embrace where you are and get the right support that will help you in your journey based on what's good for you. Okay, Rebo, it's, Rebo. Your it's not your parents' marriage.
1: Let's let's just add up with the last question. Somebody just texted. I think it's a great question. We'll end with that, then we'll go to the closing, Reboy. What if you as a, as a girl has a different view on what she wants to marry than her parents?
4: If you as a girl have different views than what?
1: If uh, The person who's asking, what if a girl has a different view on who she wants to marry than what her parents wanted to marry?
4: Great question. And I think the straightforward answer to this is, if possible can you have an open conversation and real communication with your parents? If your parents care for you and are open towards you, can you have a real conversation and discuss it? And I say to the parents, discuss it with her. Do you feel that your daughter is completely lost and forlorn and making foolish decisions that will ultimately affect her life negatively? Or maybe you can just accept where your daughter is. That's a question to parents. Sometimes I turn my daughter into somebody she's not. I wanted my daughter to be somebody else, but she's not. You have to accept who your daughter is. Now I say to the girl, are your parents telling you things that are really important for you to hear, even if you don't like them, because they're challenging you to really look into this shidduch and not make a detrimental decision for you? Then you have to listen to them. You want to listen to them. Or maybe your parents really are clueless and don't get it. So these are important questions. Don't just dismiss or accept everything your parents say. Maybe what they're saying is unbelievably valid and it's just challenging you so you don't want to hear it because maybe you're infatuated or you have a crush or you're desperate or you don't like yourself or you're surrendering your standards to listen to them, or maybe not. Maybe they're really not on the same page and they're not ready to listen. And then you have to trust yourself more. So I'm just telling all, all both sides to really challenge yourself and make sure that you're clinging to your ideals here is again coming from a place of authenticity, from a place of inner empowerment and clarity, and not from a place of escaping your own fears and insecurities, which may come back or haunt you. Sometimes you may need another person to help mediate, somebody else to consult, because parents are sometimes very emotionally involved. Recently, I dealt with a situation where there was an interesting situation. There was a girl, and her parents wanted her to marry a man who's going to learn his whole life, at least for 10, 20 years. He's going to be in Kylo. It's a wealthy family. They would support him. They would support her. That's what they wanted, Okay. And she was dating these boys, and it wasn't working. It wasn't working. A guy came to me, and he tells me the story. And he says, I know this family. I want to date her, but I'm in business. He was already in business before his dating. But the father will not agree for her to date me because the father says she wants a boy who's going to learn. But he tells me that she told him once at a Shabbos meal or something that she doesn't want that. You know, and he asked me what to do. And I suggested it's so important for her to have an open conversation with her parents and really articulate what are her ideals in life? What does she want? What is important for her? It's so important to have that type of communication. And then the parents and the daughter of their normal, healthy people, you know, there could be a give and take and ultimately, they can reach a space of respect. If this is who my daughter is, you can't reshape your daughter now in the image of what you want. It's so important to understand that different people have different needs and different desires, and we really have to have to respect it. The well, story family? is they're engaged today, <laughs> and they're very happily married
1: as well. Everybody, we take one more question? Yeah. We're close? Okay. You're on.
2: Hi, um, I just wanted to say thank you to Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson for taking the time, especially when this is the third session, um, talking about dating, whether it's for the boys or for the girls. I happen to be an older single girl. I've been on the dating scene for many, many years. And sometimes these shatchanim red tzeduchem, and they, I ask them for information on the boy, and they say, what does it make a difference? Just go out with the guy and you'll see for yourself. But I've been on the scene for many, many years, and I say to myself, I need to know some info. Am I wrong for asking that?
1: Okay.
4: Thank you, Peril. And I think that you're not wrong. I think it's a fair question. You know, before I go out with somebody, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes mental space. It takes preparation. It takes emotional preparation you want to know some basic stuff. So I think I don't see it as a wrong question. I mean, I can understand the shadchan telling me or telling you that it's impossible to know everything. And maybe they can't give you, you know, a full detailed report, but some uh, basic components about the person's life, I think it's fair to, to communicate to somebody. I mean, that's how I see it.
2: Okay. I just and like I, sometimes I, they tell you that you're an old single girl just Go out with the person; you'll figure you're it out. An older, you're an
4: older, single girl, okay, but you, you you deserve the dignity, right, of of just knowing some. I wish Rabbi Why you would talk
2: to some of these. I wish Rabbi Why you would talk to some of these and Maybe they would understand, because a lot of them don't.
4: Well, I'm sorry to hear. It's hard to judge without hearing. You know, I don't like to judge ever without hearing the other side. Uh, but uh, what I would just what I would just add here. Just a general, general comment. And that is, we have close to a thousand people on. And, you know, we have among the Jewish people the brightest, the most intelligent, the best, the kindest, and the sweetest. And I think we live in a time of grassroots initiatives. There was a time when people waited for all the initiatives to come from the top. Today, we live in a time where it's a grassroots generation. In Kabbalah, it's called Isarusa de lasata, the Isarus from below, Eir And I think, with all of our minds, a lot of you are extremely creative people. I think we could come up with a lot of new great ideas of how to uh, enhance, make the Shidduch process better, help older singles meet people uh, from both genders. And generally, you know, just help many people who are, who are struggling, who are longing, who are waiting, just create a process that may be more effective, easier, smoother, more respectful, more dignified. And don't wait till, you know, you get the endorsement of every great person in Klal Yisrael. But rather, if it's something good and you have a good mentor to guide you, go for it. And, and, and create projects, of course, always consist. You have to have you know, a rav, a mentor that guides you, that it should be according to Allah and based on your shamayim and the and Hashem. But I think it's important for people to think. We started, the first question was about out of the box. It's important for people to think out of the box. Initiate projects, initiate ideas. I'm sure some people will come up with great things that can help a lot of people. And even if it can help five people, helping one soul is already helping a world. Well, thank you very much, Peril, for your question. And I'm sorry for all the pain, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I think that every person deserves dignity, no matter the age and no matter the condition, no matter how many times they dated, they dated 90 times.
1: Wow, Rabbi um, We're gonna to go to closing now. It was Morita Kashir. Uh, again, I wanna give a special thanks to Rabbi Waiwai. I just want everybody to know, all the people that are here tonight, these, these dating series three times, this is Rabbi Waiwai's initiative. He felt it was a tremendous uh, need to bring up the topic, discuss all the things we discussed tonight, and there's so much more. We really <laughs> I have papers over here. I need to buy, I need to make another order from Staples. I'm out of paper. But um, it was a tremendous uh, series. I think we have to get into it. And again, for all those, I, I have just about three pages of divorce, remarried questions. Right? We always said on May 23rd, that Sunday, we're going to be discussing you know, life after divorce, that whole Parsha, divorce Parsha, children, and the remarriage part, which is a... Uh, Really needs probably more than one session, but we'll start May 23rd and it's going to be an amazing session. Anybody that's here tonight that would, you know, that sent me those questions, we did not ignore them. They're going to be part of them and please tell everybody about it. And um, I want to tell the last person that was just on that there are a lot of Shatchanim here tonight and the Shir will be heard by thousands and thousands of people. So um, I'm happy you said that and let them get that message that everybody deserves to to get information 100%. Again, tonight's show was sponsored by Khan's Ice Cream. I recline, big fan of Rabbi Wawa and the Shirim. We're a big f- fan of his milkshake ice cream, the chocolate with the vanilla. You know, the one that has 5,000 calories. Those are our favorites. Sheree Public Client we're sponsoring our webinar pl- platform. Again, for everybody who's the first time here, every Sunday night, we have a sheer at 10 p.m. Um, different topics. Um, you know, some are, some are not the gate to everybody. But, uh, you know, please, please try to come on again it's, and let, let people know about it. It's a tremendous chesed yeah. when somebody finds a shiurim that they need or they're, they're looking for. Really, I've heard tremendous things. Again, this coming Sunday at 425, we're going to have one of the big daylor, Rabbi Shalom Kamenetsky, Dr. Shiva Philadelphia, we discussing how to take our marriages to the next le- level, how to achieve the veikas neshamas. It should be an amazing program. Look forward, please tell everybody to join. Again, everything tonight is recorded and uh, it's going to be on www.menachembernfall.com. It's going to be on Rabbi YY's site, the yeshiva.net. It's going to be on his YouTube channels. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. Again, tonight's year is year number 51. If anybody wants to listen to it on the telephone, the phone number is 848-777-GROW. That's 848-777-GROW. Again, a special thank you to all our advertising sponsors, Lakewood Scoop, Rabbi and from Chazak, Khaila Kaufman Shul Summer from JCN, this is Mika Sofer from COL Live, and closing words for the, for the whole series. Coach Menachem.
0: Wow. The thank yous are coming in. Baruch Hashem. I want to thank everyone for coming, Robert Jacobson, for giving your time. And uh, I, th- I think it was very, very, very needed. And uh, somehow we have to continue a place where people can come and uh, listen, ask so they can get uh, the guidance. But I just wanna end like, like we heard the whole time that this is basically, this is the journey of life. And we need to learn some skills. Like we discussed uh, open communication it could be with the parents. Sometimes when you're dating, and sometimes with yourself uh listening skills how to hear what the other person is saying and then you you get the triggers what are my thoughts and when a person does find himself or herself in a place where you don't want to be with the negative emotions to understand that that's this is part of the journey and don't get phased uh, you know comes and goes and like we say positive and negatives if you want to continue feeling those positives um, the negatives go along, so there are negatives and positives, like a roller coaster goes up and down, up and down, and a lot of people don't like it, they get burnt once and they oh, I don't want to try it again. But uh, this is part of the journey, but one thing we have to do is make sure that we take along Hashem uh, wherever we go, let Him hold our hands and guide us, in whatever it is, and we can always talk to Him and ask Him and daven to Him and of Hashem all over here, that the need of Shadduch, and all those that need, it should go easy, and amen. Hashem should open our eyes, we should see what we need to see, emits Hashem. Amen, amen. amen. Okay, so
1: Jacobson, after such a series, give the oil and the chizik, the inspiration. Let's go.
4: Okay, first of all, I am really privileged and thrilled that this was such a, Amazing hatslacha Bezer Hashem Yisbarach. I think whenever Jews get together to do good things and help each other, there is an incredible Sayat Deshmaya. We all see it. And I want to tell you something about life. The only people who don't get criticized are the people who do nothing. You hear Asher? People who do nothing don't get criticized. People who do things, there's always negative feedback. It just means you're doing. So it's so important. It such, was such a privilege to be part of such a project that I hope will continue in one form or another form to be able to bring so many people together to discuss things that are really at the heart of our lives as individuals, as a community, as Am HaShem, as Am HaNetzach. I also wanna really bless every single one of you that your journey should be smooth and easy and, and gishmak and delightful as best as possible for those of you looking for your soulmates to be able to find them and build beautiful homes and amazing families with I also want to conclude with two more thoughts number one, I know that there are some people who harbor some very very private questions, very intimate questions, questions that you may think are extremely uncomfortable to ask And you're not even comfortable to put them in chat or or to come on live. I saw some questions that came in that are very personal and deal with some deep struggles that people have. So I just want to open the floor and say that anybody who has such a question that we have not dealt with, feel free to email it to the Usher or to Coach and if you want, I should look at it, ask them to forward it to me. It's confidential. You don't even have to write your name. Just give an email. You can make up an email address if you want. We don't care. It's not about finding out who you are. And I will try to address it to the best of my ability and really no taboos. In other words, I know some of people are dealing with some serious stuff. Um, uh, I'm not going to get graphic here, but you know what I'm talking about. And feel free. It's important to have somebody to speak to who will not judge you. And here you're dealing with a group of people who are not judgmental. Um, I certainly work on myself not to be judgmental. It's actually not hard for me when you're around the block a couple of times. You see that all judgment is ignorance. So it's not really hard not to be judgmental. But really, I want to open up the floor that anyone who has any question, you could pass it on. So Reb Usher, Coach Menachem, if you want to forward it to me, they'll forward it to me and I will be neither respond to you. The last thing I want to share with you is, <coughs> just uh, I think such an important tidbit on life that helps me and I think it can help all of us. And that is, we live today in an incredible generation. Rabbi Kalish said this on Sunday. He said, it's a generation of openness and open communication. It used to be that there was a lot of dishonesty. Teenagers did not tell their parents what they were thinking. Youth did not tell their teachers what they were thinking. Today is the generation where everything is coming out in the open. It's painful because it's not being repressed, but it's also an amazing blessing that everything is coming out. You know what else is coming out, my friends? All the stress, all the anxiety, a lot of traumas, it's all coming out. And it's hard for all of us, because we're dealing with a lot these days. But what I want to tell you is that this is all part of the blessings of ga'ula. In order to be liberated, we have to spit out our toxicity, our negativity, our traumas, our anxieties, our stress — it's all coming out so that we should clear up and cleanse our systems to be able to come to a point where we will all experience the oneness, the oneness of Hashem, the oneness of the world, the oneness of our people, the oneness of infinity. Whatever is coming up in your life before dating, during dating, and after dating, I beg you, don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of yourself. It's so important these days to be able to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for not being perfect. Forgive yourself for making mistakes. Forgive yourself for having challenges in your mind and experiencing thoughts that are very, very uncomfortable to deal with. Forgive yourself. These are all things that are emerging in order to be able to help you come closer to your true self, which is infinite, divine, incredibly amazing, and powerful. Hold on. Hold on to your core. Hold on to the Rebbe Remember who you are. Never, ever forget who you are and live life from that space, from that attitude. And then you will be able to conquer every challenge because you will know that you were not sold, you were sent. You're not a victim, you're not a loser. You were sent into this world with an amazing light. You're never, ever stuck. I want everybody to get rid of those words from our intellectual and mental vocabulary. I'm stuck. You're not stuck. You're not stuck. You're a piece of Hashem. Hashem is not stuck. You're not stuck. You were sent into a difficult world. You were sent into a difficult challenge to bring light into that place. But you're never, ever stuck. At your core, you are eternally free. Thank you very much. Chazak, chazak, venis hazeik. Amen. Thank you, Coach Menachem.
0: See
1: you on Sunday. Ten o'clock, same time, same place. we love you. Zag Love you
4: too. Bye bye. Oh, yeah.